Those of you who were here uh, last week, I know many of you were, uh, would have heard me talk about Jesus uh, visiting Bethany and meeting at Mary and Martha's house. And here Jesus is again. Uh, It's a different time. Uh, It's a couple of years later. And it seems that Bethany now is a place that Jesus uh, regularly visits. Uh, We're told that it's the week before the Passover. And we're approaching the end of Jesus' life. In fact, in just uh, six days' time, uh, Jesus will uh, be, go through a, a mockery of a trial. He'll be betrayed uh, by Judas. Uh, he'll be crucified. Uh, he'll be uh, buried. And then three days later, he will rise again. And Jesus has an idea of what's to come. In fact, Jesus knows exactly what is going to come. And what does he do in this week before in this uh, few days before these uh, tragic, uh, amazing, incredible events happen. Well, he goes to the place where he's known. He goes to the place where he's loved. He goes to the place where he is welcomed. Uh, He goes to Bethany. And he stays at the house of one of his friends. Uh, Matthew's Gospel tells us it's the house of Simon uh, the leper. And Jesus is honoured in that house. This is a place he knew he could go and rest in. No doubt there were times when Jesus was uh, weary and looked forward to a break. This was a place where Jesus knew he'd be received as a a beloved friend, as an honoured guest. And so there's a question here for all of us who would call ourselves Christians uh, this morning. A question for all of us who would see ourselves as followers of Jesus And the question is this, how honoured is Jesus in your home? As followers of Christ, we should strive to have the kinds of homes where Jesus is always honoured, where Jesus is always welcomed, where the lives that we live in private uh, give glory to him in the same way as the things that we say in public. Honouring Jesus in your home means making him uh, welcome in your home. It means you don't have to spend ages getting ready uh, for him. It means that he'd be comfortable with the things that you watch on television, that he'd be comfortable with the things that you see on your computer screen. It means there's no magazines or books that you need to uh, get rid of uh, for him. Honouring Jesus in your home means that uh, his presence is always taken into account. As a husband, honouring Jesus in your home means that you love uh, your wife as Jesus loves the church. And as a wife, honouring Jesus in your home means that you uh, respect and honour your husband as the church respects and honours Christ. Honouring Jesus in your home means you put your home at his disposal. You say, Lord, use it. Use me. Use my living room for hospitality. Use my dining room uh, for service. Uh, Use my bedroom for prayer. Use my study that I can learn more about you. Use my home that it can be a place of welcome and hospitality. And that when people come into my home, they say, this is different. There's something special about this place uh, because Jesus is honoured here. But this, this encounter is more 
than just the story of uh, Simon honouring uh, Jesus with his home. It's a story of people honouring him with their hearts. There's three people mentioned uh, in this home. Uh, there's Mary, there's Martha, and there's Lazarus. And they all love Jesus deeply. And Jesus loves them uh, deeply too. And they all respond to Jesus in different ways. And that's fine. And we will all respond to Jesus in different ways. Our journey of faith will be different. Our walk with the shepherd will take us down different paths. And that's fine. Martha and Mary and Lazarus uh, honour Jesus from their hearts. They love him from deep within. And they show that um, in different ways. The first one is mentioned is Martha, and she was the focus of last week. I won't say everything uh, that I said last week um, again today. But notice, this is years later. And where is Martha? Uh, Martha's in the kitchen. Martha's serving. Martha's getting uh, the cooking ready. Uh, Go through the scriptures, and you see this pattern emerging about Martha. Martha is a grafter. Martha is a doer. Martha is a person who gets things ready. There's a book that um, came out a few years ago uh, by Gary Chapman called The Five Love Languages. I don't know if anybody read that. Anybody see that? Uh, it was kind of big in parenting circles. Uh, five different ways children express love. Five different ways children like to receive love. Uh, we're all wired slightly differently. Uh, my mother-in-law loved this book. And she loved analysing people according to this book. I said, oh, you're definitely one of those. You're definitely one of those. You might be a kind of word of affirmation person. Somebody who needs to be told that they're loved. You might be a time person. Somebody who knows that they're loved because somebody else spends time with them. You might be a, a giver or a receiver for whom presents are really important. Gifts given and gifts received. You might be a tactile person, for whom you express love and receive love through, through touch. Or you might be like Martha. Martha shows her love through acts of service. She loves to do things for people. And so here she is, showing her love for Christ by serving him. That's her gift to Jesus. And it's a beautiful, valid expression of her love for him. Lazarus is different. We read of Lazarus. He's not in the kitchen. Lazarus is reclining at the table. He's comfortable in the presence of Jesus. He's talking to him. He's listening to him. He's hearing from him. Lazarus wants to be in fellowship with Jesus. He wants to grab uh, this moment of quiet with Jesus. There are times for all of us who would call ourselves follower of Christ, followers of Christ, where we need to just stop and draw aside and spend a moment of quiet in the presence of Christ. Where we need to make uh, quality time for him. Draw apart and simply enjoy his presence. Perhaps Lazarus knows that people are seeking to kill him. Perhaps he knows that Jesus will be taken from him. 
And so he spends these moments just in the presence of Christ. And then there's Mary. And Mary responds in a different way. She's not practical or pragmatic like Martha. Uh, She's not quiet and contemplative like Lazarus. Uh, She demonstrates her devotion in a more dramatic way, a passionate way. Scripture says she takes a pound of nard, an expensive um, ointment uh, made from trees in India, formed into a perfume. Uh, She takes this uh, jar of perfume, she opens it up, she pours it on Jesus' feet, and she wipes his feet with her hair. She gives her best to Jesus. This was an expensive perfume. It says that it would take a year's wages to purchase uh, this jar of perfume. So maybe she's been saving up uh, for many years. Perhaps it was an expensive gift to her. But whatever, she pours it at Jesus' feet. She gives her best to Jesus. It's a great picture of worship. It's a great picture of uh, what being a follower of Jesus is. It's a great picture uh, of what being a disciple of Jesus is. She gives her best. How do we know that she loves Jesus? She gives her best to him. And Jesus will give his best for her and for Martha and for Lazarus and for us too. In six nights' time, Jesus will give everything. Jesus will lay down his life. Jesus will be poured out upon a cross. His his jar of his body will be uh, broken open and his life will be poured out like a perfume. And his love will not just fill the house, but his love will fill the whole world. Because his death, death and resurrection will declare that God loves the world and has given his most precious gift Uh, He's best for the world. And three days later, he will take up that life again. Do we give our best? In the light that all that Christ has done for us, do we give our best? Mary also humbles herself. It's impossible to draw close to God and maintain a sense of kind of self-righteousness, or pride, or self-importance. The longer I've been a Christian, the the more time I've got to know uh, people in churches, um, I see time and time again that those who uh, spend time with God, those who draw close to the God who loves to draw close uh, to us, those who are most affected by his presence, um, have a humility about them. They have a humbleness about them. They're not proud. They're not unyielding. They're not boastful. It doesn't mean they're doormats. It doesn't mean they're pushovers. Uh, Very often they have a kind of inner strength. Uh, But there's a humility uh, there as well. Mary humbles herself. In Jesus' day, it was said that a woman's glory, uh, a woman's crown was her hair. That that was her glory. And Mary unties her hair. And she uses her hair to wipe uh, Jesus' feet. She humbles herself um, in his presence. 
Have you ever been so overwhelmed by the presence of God that you've been humbled? Have you ever encountered Christ in such a way that you've been uh, reduced to tears? That you've had an awareness of how, how big he is and in comparison how small uh, you are? Isaiah, the prophet from the Old Testament, he was uh, in the temple and he had a vision of God. It was though the heavens opened and he said, Woe to me, for I am undone. Simon Peter in the Gospels encounters Jesus in his fishing boat and he suddenly has a glimpse of who Jesus is. That this is the King of kings and Lord of lords and he's here in his humble fishing boat and he says, Away from me. Uh, for I'm a sinful man. He's, he's humbled. Mary is humbled. And she gives of her best. And just finally, I just want to notice this about Mary. She makes the most of every opportunity. When, when Mary hears that Jesus is in Bethany, uh, she's there. When Jesus is in the, in the front room, Mary elbows her way in. When Jesus is at Simon's house, uh, Mary goes round and she takes her jar of uh, perfume with her. And Jesus says this was going to be used for his burial. Uh, She'd been saving it up for that special day. And then she realises, well, in a few days, he's going to be taken from me. So I'm going to give him this now. I'm going to uh, pour this out now. I'm going to make my offering uh, now. She makes the most of every opportunity. There's a chance to meet with Christ. I'm going to take it. Jesus is here. I'm going to be there. One of the things that you get used to as a vicar is uh, people apologising to you. Uh, You go to their house, they apologise because it's a mess. Uh, You you go for a meal, they apologise. It's probably not what you're used to. Um, You meet them in the street, they apologise that they're not going to be in church on Sunday. I've got news for you. Um, I don't keep a record. Um, There's no secret register. And neither does God. God has no record. He's not not marking a scorecard. Uh, He's not ticking it off. Yep, you've done really well this month, or uh, you've done not quite so good this month. This isn't for him. This is for us. He calls us together to worship him. Uh, not because he wants to know how great he is, but that we might meet with him, that we might encounter him, that we might uh, discover him. And so when I find out that somebody who's been away from church for a while, perhaps in life's just kind of taken over, my, my feeling is not, oh, that's a shame. I would have liked to see them more. My feeling is, oh, that's a shame. They've missed out on encountering uh, Christ. They've missed out on coming into God's presence. Finding him in the, in the sermon or in the, the communion or in the worship or in the prayers. Mary makes the most of every opportunity to encounter God and to come into his presence. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, teach us to welcome you. Welcome you into our 
homes, welcome you into our hearts, welcome you into our lives. Teach us to honour you with our best. Help us to make the most of every opportunity to discover you and your love and your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Band are going to come back up. We're going to continue in worship.